0: on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is uh, comics uh, publisher, entrepreneur, and cartoonist and general busy guy, Box Brown. Box's latest thing, I'm trying to think. you got tons happening right now. There's the <laughs> Secret Prison 7, which uh, is kind of a collaboration between you and some other guys as an anthology um as well as the Everything Dies series, which I'm presuming is done, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And uh, what's the one you have for CUS? Oh, that's called Kill Man. Kill Man, there we go. And as well as Retrofit Comics, which is nearing to finish its first year.
1: Yeah, this is about, we have, there's about uh, three issues left, I think. And the uh, That whole first chunk it was like six, 16 artists will be done.
0: Wow. It's a lot of comics. <laughs> yeah. As And last but not least, or there's probably more that I'm going to forget, is uh, from the fine guys at Blank Slate, the Survivalist. And I had Box on... I'm trying to remember. Was that like five years ago? It was a long ago? time
1: ago. I was thinking about it today. It was, um, I think it was like right after I... Um, did the Zarek got the um grant, and um so that was like 2008. So it was four years ago, probably. Yeah.
0: Oh, 2009. The book says so. Okay. There we go. Three years ago. Seems like longer than that.
1: That Does seem longer than that? That was my old apartment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was it more, uh, more or less comfortable than where you're at now? Oh, I
1: watched *The Last Comfortable*. I I had like no nothing set up really over there. Now you're situated in your uh, in my your whole studio situation going on. <laughs>
0: um, well, let's jump into it then. Um, kind of thinking back about the last time we talked, and I uh, reread your your *Love Is a Peculiar* type of thing collection. That's Well, I just, like, we don't have to talk much about it. It's just nice to see that you've pretty much left that completely behind. Yeah. In a way, like, you did that, you got out of your system, and then you've moved on.
1: Is that a good way of putting it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of how I do everything. Um, Even, like, individual, like, even, like, individual pages. Like, I just... um, like, when I'm done with them, like they're done. Like, I'm, I'm totally done with them, ready to do something else completely. And, uh... And, uh... I just keep moving, keep going forward and doing more. So I just move on to the next thing.
0: How many hours a day do you put into your work? Like, uh, making comics, shipping comics, selling comics?
1: Well, today was a pretty... Today was an average day. Um... I got up at like around 8:30 ish. I start like doing uh, packing, packing up orders, which could be anything from like nothing to to like 10, whatever a I million, mean, whatever it is, depending on whatever the day is. Uh, today I had like two packages to do, and then uh, I do all my like email stuff, and then uh, get in the shower, get ready, get dressed. I like uh, I put my shoes on everything like I'm going to work but I'm just going to my studio in my house in my apartment and uh and then I start I try to start drawing comics by like 1030 and then I try to get two pages in I take breaks for uh you know lunch and dinner and uh now it's quarter to nine and I'm doing a podcast (laughs) 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 <laughs> this isn't work. It's easy to talk to me. No, it's not. It's not. No, but usually, like I'm, I usually done around by by nine o'clock. I try to be finished work. So you know, I try to I I take breaks when I can. Try to get my twenty minutes of sunlight in a day.
0: Is it kind of a make it or break it routine?
1: Uh. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, it is, but it's also, <clears throat> you know, I'm constantly wanting to work, and I want to just do stuff. So, you know, I I want to do stuff, and I want to do, you know, get paid for for it. And, but I also mainly just want to do it. So, you know, I'm I'd constantly be working anyway. Yeah. So I'm happy to to take on more work and do whatever whatever I can. Now,
0: you started drawing later on in life, right? Am I remembering
1: yeah. right? Yeah, I didn't really start drawing uh, at all. Well, I drew a little bit when I was a kid, but, but I stopped around 12. And then I didn't pick it up again until I was 26. Um, and now I'm 32.
0: And so it's just been a, a straight slog for the
1: last six years? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was working full-time for most of that six years. And then for the last maybe three years, I guess, I've I've been working at least part-time on comics. And then for the last year and a half, maybe, it's been full-time comic stuff.
0: Now, one of the things um, with your comics, I'm sorry if I'm focusing too much on kind of working as comics as we but i think uh-huh. with you in particular because you're publishing other people's stuff um is it, another thing is you've really taken to uh kickstarter to support what you're doing and i'm wondering about how vital that is towards being able to do these comics
1: i mean i guess you know it it is i mean over the last year i mean i did <clears throat> when, when i started the first the first Kickstarter I did was when I was publishing, I wanted to publish like two comics or something like that. I don't remember how much I raised, but it wasn't that much money. And um, that just got me started in um, understanding how to print books and and, and get my feet wet kind of into publishing. Um, and then I was doing self-publishing after that for a long time, and then I got the idea to do retrofit. And I realized, you know, if I could raise a bunch of money with this Kickstarter thing was pretty successful last time. If I could raise a bunch of money again, I could do this and I can print all these artists and stuff and do this big project. Cause the other one was kind of just printing two comics. I mean, at the time it seemed like a really big undertaking, but it you know, one one uh, call to the printer and that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. But um, when I did you know, when I when I did retrofit it was a much bigger Thing and I I raised uh, maybe like ten thousand or something like that, but you know, then after fees and stuff, a lot of that gets taken away. And then you know, you misjudge how much stuff costs to ship for a while, and then you know, so I felt like I spent all that money for retrofit pretty quickly. Um, But so I've just been—it's just kind of been. I mean, they—you know—all that money was there. Yeah went into the publishing of the stuff and but you know retrofit makes money too so it's all good
0: do you think it's something that would be as successful without the kickstarter like if you just went out here and doing retrofit comics you know come get a Chuck Forsman comic here
1: um well for one thing I think that kickstarter part of it Really helped to get the word out there about the whole whole enterprise, mm-hmm. spreading the word for the Kickstarter. I was constantly like, get it in front of as many eyes as possible, and then it was just like, you know, I kind of rode that a little bit after the Kickstarter was over. Um, so I think that helps. I mean, I don't know what was the question. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Good try.
0: Uh, It's uh, what Kickstarter has to do with the success of the project.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, it definitely gives you, like, gave me kind of peace of mind um, in the beginning, because you're not super freaking the fuck out. Sorry, can I swear on this?
0: Yeah, we're in Canada.
1: You're not, like, freaking out about sales every two seconds at the beginning, because in the beginning, it's definitely the hardest. Like, I remember maybe like three or four books in the retrofit, I was like, I am screwed, man. Like, this is just like not working out, you know? Uh, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. And um, it takes a while before you get comfortable with what's going on and, and, and things start to pick up and people start hearing about everything. And, you know, so it takes away a little bit of that. For me, it took away that anxiety about, you know, being successful right off the bat, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it could, I think it definitely could have worked without, without Kickstarter if I was able to come up with, you know, it's been, I've spent it over the course, spent all that money over the course of such a long time that I maybe could have done it, started off with much less money, even, Um. But, you know, I'm just glad to have it.
0: So has it transferred into a um, self-maintaining publishing project?
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm definitely going to continue publishing comics into the next year. Um, And, you know, into the foreseeable future.
0: What did you have in mind at first when you started? Did you have, like, a group of folks you wanted to be working with?
1: Uh, I, I have like the um, original notes that I had when I came up with the idea and it just I just was thinking about like my friends I knew that were self-publishing and um, people that I just thought um, w- were deserving of maybe a bigger audience or you know you know I, or I thought would even would do it you know, <laughs> you know it had to be with that so I, I made a list of like maybe like 20 cartoonists and I reached out to all of them to see if they were interesting, interested hoping that I would get 12 so I could do it over the course of one year and um, I got like 17 so I was happy with that so I was just like okay well then we'll just do 17 Everybody. <laughs> <wants one. laughs> um,
0: tell me do you have like an attachment to the, uh, the one man one woman one person comic
1: Anthology yeah, idea. I do I mean I think that um, for cartoonists and, and you know I guess for the readers too, but for for the cartoonists, um, it, it's like my favorite way to work because you can kind of just work on anything within this this little tiny booklet, and it's there's it's not really high stakes, so you can kind of let these stories go and, and work on them as wherever your interests are go wherever you kind of want to go and then later you know whichever stories kind of win out and and go into a become longer that th- they're like more natural fits for longer stories that maybe could then be collected later as a graphic novel let's say but i think it's much better or it's much better to work for me anyway um, on short on a sh- shorter basis like that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: hard to show an idea a two hundred page idea, and you know you might find uh, you know eighty pages into it, this is actually a sixty five page idea, <laughs> you know, <that? laughs> like so if you just do these little, you know, um, periodic small. Zines or small comics, stapled comics, whenever you do whatever you want and whatever you feel like, whenever you want it, and then whatever, wherever, whatever direction you want to go, you can go. Um, you know, I'm working on this big long story now. Um, um, it's Andre the Giant book, and uh, I, I'm very into it. It's like my favorite subject in the world, but it's definitely like taxing to work on something this big without ever showing it to anyone. Yeah.
3: Robert owes half to Granville who in turn gave half to Larry who adored my instrumentals so he gave half to a foreign publisher he took half the money that was earned in some far distant land he gave back half to Larry and I end up with half of goodness those Somebody don't Served on the verge of a nervous breakdown I decided to fight like to the end But if I ever get my money
0: Andre the Giant book it's coming out from uh, first second right
4: yep
0: do you have the option with them of being able to do any comicing of it or
4: uh, possibly I mean I think that they um, they only do I think they do like they try to only do one webcomic um, serialization um, per like season or something like that I'm not sure so but it's possible it
0: could be serialized on the web. Um, have you read Tien Fam Sumo? uh huh.
3: I was just I haven't. thinking,
0: this is like their second, you'll, you'll be their second wrestling book.
4: Wow. And I <laughs> forgot about it. I, I didn't, did not read that.
0: I have to. It's <laughs> on my pile. Tian, if you're listening, I'm coming after you. Um, <laughs> so you've been interested in wrestling for quite some time.
4: Yeah,
0: you're a couple years older than me, so you probably grew up watching the
4: WWF. WWF, yeah, that was my that was my jam. <laughs> Were you? Always, I was also. Go ahead. I also like WCW and NWA. I like I would watch like any wrestling like, like every once in a while you get on like these on like you know the later channels on your TV like. That showed like, like public access or like just whatever. You didn't even know what was on there, and you'd get like low rent wrestling or like regional wrestling. I'd watch. I'd watch anything that was wrestling.
0: In uh, where I grew up in Vancouver, we had uh, Stampede Wrestling, which was wrestling in America, oh, wow. which is uh, was quite something. It was, uh, That's
4: awesome.
0: It was pretty horrible.
4: But the heart. The heart. The heart. Uh, family. Um stars, stampede
0: that's right. There's a big Canadian tradition in wrestling, isn't there?
4: yeah, yeah, yeah well, mostly the heart the heart family and that stampede wrestling was the big feeder for um like w w f back in the day like a lot of those a lot of guys came out of stampede, which was a good a uh, good place to send guys to get ready for the for the big leagues.
0: Were you uh getting all the wrestling mags too and
4: yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I got a ton of those. Plus, I just, I just recently, because um, I you know, I threw all those away like a million years ago, but I recently bought a bunch of them on eBay. <laughs> and uh, they're pretty awesome. Like, uh, my favorite parts are the ads, because they have ads for, like, anything that, like, a, a kid... It's, it's not that dissimilar from, like, old comic books from back then, but, like, anything a little, like, pencil-neck-y kid that likes wrestling would want, like... There's ads... For, for some sort of weird, like, I don't know, a pill maybe that makes you taller. <laughs> it says, be taller. Like, <laughs> how are you to be taller? There's, all right, it's all there's something know.
0: amazing about that time, too, because I look at wrestling now, and it's like, if I'm not raged out on 10 monster energy drinks, I don't think I can, like, fit in with what's going on. Like, I'm not worried enough. Yeah, I, 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 I 100%
4: agree. I mean, it, back then, it, it, it's, it's completely different now, because everybody's in on the joke now. or It's not a joke, but everybody's in on it. Everybody knows what's going on. Like, it's, the magic has been, like, the curtain has been pulled back completely. Um, But back then, it was, it was, you know, everybody knew it was, quote-unquote, you know, fake or whatever, but it's like when you go, when people go to, like, a psychic, like, people will be like, I know psychics aren't real, but Like, if the psychic is really good And and is really good at what they do They'll have the people, when they leave, they'll be saying Listen, you know, I I know all those other psychics are are bullshit But this one, I think, might know what they're talking about And, like, when when wrestling was good Like, you know, that's the type of thing you'd say You'd leave, you'd say, I know wrestling's fake But that, that was real Like, that, how do you fake that? You know? So you know, that's how I think of it. And, and you know, that stuff back then had the had that magic
0: to it. When you started the work um on the on Andre the Giant, did you have a publisher in mind or was this something like you wanted no, to do for I, yourself?
4: I no no, I started I started it because it was um it was coming up to S P X um not this not this year but like year year past, whatever, two thousand eleven and um, it was like two weeks until SPX and I had finished whatever I was working on before, you know, I, I was done I, like, I to I like finished Everything Dies like that was it, that was the end of it and um, I had two weeks before FPS and I was like well I should, I should try to do a mini comic between now and FCX and um, I had like read something about about Andre the Giant um, getting a ride um, a ride to School from like this famous um, playwright, the dude that wrote um, *Waiting for Godot*,
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, Samuel
2: Beckett.
4: Yeah. So, so I, I read that, and then I, I, I was like, what, well, I would make a really cool comic." So I like just made a, made it, made up a comic about about their uh, Andre the Giant and Samuel Beckett riding to school together. Like, what would they talk about and stuff like that. And then I did, like, another comic that's just, like, putting myself kind of in Andre the Giant's shoes, uh, you know, someplace in Japan. It was such like, such an amazing character to use. But I was just kind of partially making stuff up. Like, I just didn't, didn't really know, didn't do too much research into it. But I just made this little zine. And then after SPX, I, like, made another zine. And then... I just kept making these Andrew the Giant comics. So I have like a hundred pages of Andrew the Giant comic, but I had started doing more research about him and like what you know, you know all these other stories about him. So I started making you know all these crazy tall tales about Andrew the Giant, and um. Wah, wah, so he had. Wah.
0: Wah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Sorry.
0: Tall tales. oh yeah, right, yeah.
4: <laughs> um, but then I had I had like a hundred pages and then I I pitched that to for a second and then I I I, I like rewrote everything kind of and redrew everything (laughs) and now I'm getting towards the end of it and when's this supposed to come out in
0: 2013 2014 uh,
4: yeah I, I there was rumblings in the beginning maybe about 20 the end of 2013 but I don't know I think it's slated for
0: 2014 right now. I remember as a kid always having, like, a certain affinity for Andre the Giant in the kind of... as as a particular character in the wrestling in comparison with all the other ones. There was something, like, compelling about him.
4: Yeah, he, um... You know, he was a mythic dude, man. He was like a mountain. He was he was so big, and it was, uh... They sold him always as a special attraction. Um, he was always... They, they would never, like... He was different than the other wrestlers. He always won. and He would always beat up, like, ten guys. And so forever it was like that. Like, for, like, fifteen years, it was always, like, he was just a, a good guy, the gentle giant, you know, could beat up a million guys at once, with, wins every battle royal, all that stuff. And then it wasn't until... You know, when he was really famous was later when he wrestled Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three. He was a bad guy, but that was only very later in his career. Most of the, almost his whole career, he was he was a big guy in the U S.
0: And he wasn't really a convincing
4: bad guy either. He, there was oh, uh, there are some parts where he's real scary, man. He, he was going to beat up Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's the biggest, strongest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you watched, uh, many of those, uh, documentaries on wrestling? Like, uh, Beneath the Mat? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, a ton of
4: them. I like every one, probably. I think I, it's... I've watched so much. I've watched a million interviews with guys, like, everybody you can imagine.
0: The, I think it's Beneath the Mat one is the one that kind of broke my heart when it has, like, Jake the Snake Roberts smoking crack, yeah. and it was just like. Yeah.
4: Jake, uh, but when I hear Jake The Snake takes umbrage with that film <laughs> Because of the way he was portrayed um, They said that he you know, that he, he cut the film To make him look a certain way Or whatever um, But yeah I remember I saw that in the theater When it came out I
0: don't know there's only so much you can do To make something look a certain way When he's smoking
4: crack I guess Yeah I... <laughs> Yeah, who knows? That's all, all, a lot of these guys, man, like it, it's all a work. Like wrestling is a work. It's a, you know, it's a scam essentially. Yeah. So all these guys are working. Not only are they working the fans and and people on TV, but they're working each other. They're working the boss. They're trying to get as much as much money. Like the only pure good in wrestling is who makes the most money. Yeah that's it that's the only anything else beyond that is you're an idiot because the whole thing is set up so you can make the most money yeah it's really weird it's really interesting
0: I mean it's it's so sad too because it's just like so many people just get so put through the ringer in it too
4: yeah I mean yeah it's crazy I mean people get messed up it's like it's like, it's, it's the, I mean, it's the, the lifestyle and it's the road. I mean, for the same reason, like, a lot of comedians die young. It's, you know, a lot of rock stars, you know, have problems with drugs and stuff. They're, they're, you know, larger than life and they're on the road constantly.
0: And the minute that stops, what do they do with
4: their lives? <laughs> yeah, I know. like, well, it's like right now, I don't know what I would do, kind of, if I had to just quit making comics, like, what would I say? I don't know where where I would get a
0: job. Like Would it uh, be at the deli well, counter, like in the wrestler?
4: I probably would. I mean I, I worked at I was Pizza up until last year. I was I was totally fine with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um does uh does your lady have to endure hours and hours of uh wrestling watching? Oh no, I
4: don't I don't subject her to it. I I mean I made her watch um I made her watch the Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant match from WrestleMania three, <laughs> but but uh, that's only that's only like ten minutes long, really. And I gave her like uh, the that you know all the, all all the commentary on it, so she kind of liked that. But that was it. That's all I ever really have ever made her watch.
0: Well, I'm very excited about the entree. But I can look forward to. Uh... <laughs> To reading it, maybe we'll we'll get a chance to talk wrestling next time we see each other.
4: Yeah,
0: I still want to be the rowdy piper of
4: comics. Yeah, <laughs> he's a he's a wild one, a rowdy one.
0: Well, he's uh he's from B.C. I think he's from Campbell River or something, not far from where I was born. So, you
4: know. Oh really? Yeah, he's a Canadian guy. That's
0: right. Yeah, there's that affinity. Now, some of your other work, I was looking through. Um, well, that book is very, uh, focused on wrestling. The rest of your stuff, um, it seems that you're kind of having a, I guess, a struggle with Americana right wing ideologies,
4: if that's a good Oh, point. yeah. I mean, the survivalist is definitely about that. I mean, uh, I think that when I sat down to view the survivalist, um, I wanted it to be about um about somebody that was like the opposite of me and um so I was like thinking of this conspiracy theorist uh, what was this conspiracy theorist guy like what would he listen to Well, you know I was drawing something at the time or maybe I was making writing the story or something so I, I put on um um Alex Jones you know who Alex Jones is
0: no he's
4: this He's just, you know, he's a, uh, I, he's a a, a conspiracy uh, theory media guy. <laughs> he's just like he's the top conspiracy theorist, I guess. This guy Alex Jones. So I was listening to his radio show, and um, I was struck the whole time by the the advertisements, with the commercials that they play. Yeah, they were all for these crazy, like, like, t- you know. Stuff you'd need if you were gonna live at the end of the world in your basement. It was like you know, um, way like I, I would start looking it up. All the stuff people were buying. It so it's a cottage industry. It's crazy. You could buy like a toilet. <laughs> it's like a, a spackle bucket, and it has like a, it has like a toilet seat on top of it, and it has all these like chemicals and stuff in it, and that's your toilet. Like <laughs> it's just like, insane thing. And you can fill it up with more chemicals and stuff. So they have all kinds of stuff like that, all kinds of, of stuff for the for the end of the world, and um, so really the, the the story was very much inspired by those uh, those products that people were buying.
0: Did you ever see uh, Louis Theroux did a thing on Survivalists?
4: Uh, I've seen a lot of Louis Theroux documentaries, but I, I've seen a lot of um, conspiracy theory theorist documentaries as well. So maybe.
0: <laughs> they all meld. Well, there was, yeah. <laughs> there was an interesting one where he uh, went to Montana uh, and hung out with these different survivalists, and it's just uh, how racist they are too. Yeah, like it's really um, like
4: worried about that. The... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, uh, you're, you're 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 kind of a lot of the the survivalists portrayed on TV seem to be that way. I mean, um. There's definitely a um, the survivalist movement. I think in the U.S. is definitely it's not wholly spawned out of the libertarian movement in the U.S., Mm
2: -hmm. which
4: which um, you know is very pro-gun and you know pro you know keep the government out of our our business type stuff. So. I mean, you know that that attracts a certain type of person, uh, as well. So yeah, I mean, you, you know, someone they're you know, <laughs> that type of person. I mean, very uh, hard nosed.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it, it frightened me. <laughs>
4: yeah, it's, it, it is. It scared me too.
0: Um, there was there was one guy who was just an old hippie who uh, just wanted to bunker down in the middle of nowhere, and that was kind of endearing.
2: Right. But
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a romantic notion, uh, like, if you think about it. I mean, I kind of, like, when I got into drawing it, I kind of was, you know, this is kind of, would be kind of cool if you were left alone to your, do whatever you wanted, and you had an unlimited supply of of all these different foods and and everything in your house and you never really have to leave or do anything it'd be kind of I mean for me that's kind of all I ever all I want really is like unlimited time to work on stuff and I don't know I think it was also I guess making survivalists was also like a fantasy for myself a little bit (laughs) there's no I could just be the only one left in the world
0: just sitting there making your comics.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you, know, you need the you, you need the other half of that though. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have an audience too. You need somebody to play to or somebody to listen listen to you.
0: Yeah. Um, some of those uh, compounds that people make can be pretty amazing looking though. Like the uh, when they take over missile silos.
2: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's so cool.
0: I love that shit. Like. Uh,
4: yeah, I would totally live in there. Like. The little the, the pod in Lost would be a cool ass like place to live. Like remember that part in Lost where they all
2: yeah they oh yeah yeah, that yeah. Bunker?
4: yeah yeah that would be rad.
0: I'm on it. Well we'll <laughs> we'll start our cartoonist compound in Montana.
4: <laughs>
2: <And> find a <laughs> little missile awesome. Well
0: you
4: I saw know Flickr, I saw a Flickr pool one time that was all pictures of cartoonists shooting guns
0: oh the phenographics uh, one
4: yeah
0: yeah yeah it's uh yeah apparently they'll take all the staff out and pull out gary's guns and <laughs> shoot old broken appliances and whatnot that's wild yeah it's uh i'd, I'd go i'd do it
4: Just yeah, to... uh, i've never fired a gun before
0: would you go and would you fire a gun
4: i would i would shoot a target yeah. I don't.
0: I wouldn't want to go hunting. I don't think, but I would shoot a target, I guess. Now, the other uh, part to some of the work you you were doing, I guess you're not really doing that kind of work anymore. Was the Everything Dies series? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about your own background with religion, because it seems like you dealt with a lot of shit, and this is kind of
4: working that out. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have... I don't think I I really had, like, shit growing up with religion. When my parents weren't super religious or anything, and no one ever really forced religion on me. But I think that everybody kind of has a existential crisis at some point when they start to actually consider kind of what will happen when they die. And you have to... um Really come to grips with that, in in whatever way makes you most comfortable, to to kind of get through life, and um, for a lot of people that's religion, and it wasn't it's not for me, and so you know when I was you know I think that whole series was me working out my own um, my own you know coming to grips with my own demise I think through. Looking at how other people deal with that.
0: Were you getting fascinated or obsessed with any particular religions?
4: Uh, Christianity a lot, <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but I'm, oh, but more, more actually, um, into Christians, I guess, um, and, and extremists. I, I've been really into extremists in general. I think um, anybody that extremist subcultures to me are are fascinating that someone could delve that deeply into anything
0: people that let's, let it take over their whole lives
4: yeah 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 like those freaks that are really into comic books no. and they let their their uh, offices become shrines to these fucking ridiculous comic books
2: <laughs> what are you saying
4: <laughs>
0: You did a, uh, a radio show, um, about this topic, or you were on a radio show.
4: Yeah. And I <laughs> well, if I it would... was it was a uh, it was a um, podcast.
0: Sorry, uh, but they, not a radio yeah, show. <laughs> they a don't have, I don't
4: think they. I hope. I mean, I don't think that they have any. They're not on the FM and the AM dial, but um. They, uh, I still listen to that show every week. I like look forward to it. Um, but so I, I drew this comic, and it had these two guys from this like um, radio show called Rapture Ready Radio. These are people that are waiting, awaiting the rapture, um, and uh, they're they're you know they believe in Christian uh, prophecy and all this stuff. So I did a comic about that featured them in it, and then. I think what happened was this is I swear to God this is what I think happened I tried to sign up for their forum just so I could not to troll them or anything but just to kind of see I mean they're public forums for anyone but I just kind of wanted to see what they were talking about and kind of see maybe even ask them questions if I had questions about because I was working on everything guys to, to kind of maybe talk about them or what they believe and all that stuff and I think when I signed up um, they saw my email address and searched my email address and through that they found this comic I did where I mentioned them
2: <laughs>
4: and uh, so then they they emailed me and they're like why don't you come on the show and you can talk about your comic and I was like alright great you know I'm sure I'd love to talk about comics and um, I kind of thought that we would start start at the point where you know I'm an atheist they're Christians and then We'll just start to say that And then, you know, talk about the comics and, and, you know, how we how we feel about them Or whatever And it was like 20, especially 20, 20 minutes long And they kept me on for like over an hour uh, Like it immediately devolved into them Trying to convert me to, Christ, to uh, Christian <laughs> And uh, they kept me on and Or arguing with me about about God For like an hour It was so long I felt so like I, I was like beaten up so bad after At the end of it um, I don't know. It, it was, it was, it was a trying experience. Like, I was afraid to listen to it back forever. I never did. I don't know. I don't even know if I ever did listen back to it. But I just, like, couldn't even take it. It was just, like, oh, nonstop. How, uh, su- it was, it was wild.
0: How surprised are you, though? I mean, if these guys are waiting for the rapture, that this would be their <laughs> approach? <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. No, no. I'm not, you know, really. I mean, uh, I guess I was just being naive when I when I didn't think that it. it would immediately turn into this. But then, you know, I, I was talking to Dustin Harbin one time, and he, he told me he listened back to it, and he's like, well, I'm, in their defense, I have to say, you didn't sound like you were uh, calm, w- w- looking for any kind of calm reason to talk about comics at all, because I must have gotten like completely defensive about it right away <laughs> as well. So. <laughs> so, who knows, but yeah, that was a crazy
0: experience though I promise not to be so forceful This afternoon <laughs> or This evening Maybe I should do a show like that Where I just get super confrontational uh,
4: I, I think um, I think that That sort of podcast is on its way <laughs> <And>
0: somebody <laughs> Some kind of comics Confrontation podcast
4: well you know the Mark Mayer podcast he he always has people on that he has history with and he makes them talk about you know why why were we fighting back then what what was your problem back then and like makes them go into it I don't know I hate all the hate the comics infighting I think it's so stupid like I just think it's so dumb like we're already such a marginalized group of people why would we want to purge Further
0: are ourselves is this something you've kind of dealt with before the recent uh for folks that don't know on the comics journal one of the editors had some choice words about a project that Box was working on and uh it kind of snowballed from the comments snowballed and then the comments on the comments
4: snowballed yeah it just kind of went crazy yeah. um yeah, I definitely. I mean there was I I I have been through a lot way worse internet stuff for one thing. Um after my wedding I had a hobo themed wedding and um we had our pictures I put our pictures, I guess, some of the pictures up on the internet and like um it was uh like the pictures were snatched on by like this it's like just like whatever, I didn't, I had no idea what they were at the time, but it was, like some blog where they just like rip on people and make fun of them or whatever. So, our photos were posted on like this site, and it was just like a hundred thousand, uh, like teenage girls like calling me a racist and uh, and like a classist and all this stuff because I had a hobo themed the wedding, and it was like this crazy outrage, it was insane. And that was like, and I, I had people like, like talking crap to me on Twitter. Like every two seconds, I'd like block somebody and spam somebody. And so it was like, after that, I was like, whatever. There's nothing you can do to me. <laughs> um, it's just like, after that, it was just like, so, I mean, I had a billion teenage girls wanting to kill me. <laughs> uh, and, you know?
1: <laughs> and you
0: said nothing about Justin Bieber
4: yeah it was it was insane so you know I just think all that stuff is dumb i mean I, I i would not you know if i ever i don't know I don't even want to talk about it i think I think it's dumb
0: <laughs> uh teenage girls, why do you do things? Everybody's
4: outraged about everything all the time, and I just like I just think we need to tone it down on all levels,
0: yeah relax
4: you know what I mean I was thinking
0: uh, out loud on Twitter earlier Um, my Twitter's not the the best Twitter for people to follow, caveat Um, and just how we're kind of getting into this like super policing internet thing and not even policing it's like we're always trying to confront something and well I'm confronting this because this person did something bad but then it's like where are we getting to the point where it's like this kind of sense of vigilanteism online, and oh, totally. I mean, it's tr- yeah. it's very troubling for me to see kind of where things are going and just how um, online identities are more important than in real life identities. And
4: I mean, I I gotta say, like when um you know when that when that post went up on the Comics Journal, it affected me in a and um, like a very emotional way, like I was, I was rocked. Like it rocked my world for sure. Um, you know, because you know, you become. I don't know. It's painful mm-hmm. when that stuff happens. And um, and it, I, I just never want to do that to anybody. And so I just try to be cool with everybody and. I don't... It's easy for me because I kind of get along with everybody and I don't... I don't have... I don't care about many things like that. So... Whatever. is my <laughs> thoughts on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's be bros. Yeah. Exactly. Why don't we talk about the book, Secret Prison 7, the Garo okay. issue. It's, uh... I, I think I mentioned this before, I was very, very impressed in just like how it came out, the selection of folks um you know, going into it. What were the ideas of doing uh an anthology and maybe tell folks what Garo was uh for the context. Okay, so
4: really this was Ian Harker, my co editor um like baby. It was like his project. He had been talking about it for a long time. And um I had contacted him when I started doing a retrofit about I wanted him to do a book. I wanted him to to like draw a book. And then, you know, I was like, all right, your book's going to come out in the fall or something like that. And, um, you know, I guess about, I don't even know where. It must have been maybe in, in the last winter, maybe after the last Brooklyn. in, like, December or January, we started talking about um, doing, Ian asked me if I would consider doing this uh, anthology thing. This, this, this Garo anthology. So this is Ian's idea. And um, so and it was kind of cool to me. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I, I'm, I was fairly new to Garo, and it's a um, Japanese comics magazine that ran for a really long time. Um, but I, I was enticed by the idea of doing having people do comics that read right to left, which I also did a comic for that, and it was... Uh, I would recommend as just as an exercise to any cartoonist to practice doing a comic that reads right to left mm-hmm. because it forces you to focus on um, the way the reader's eye moves around the page and <clears throat> in a way that you don't that seems so intuitive when you're doing um, left to right comics you, you really start considering where the reader's eye goes because you have to so I thought it would be really helpful, like in just in, in understanding how comics work. Um, and it was—I think it's cool seeing how all these uh, these different artists interpreted the right-to-left manga or Japanese style comics.
0: Did he, who came up with the list of folks? Was it kind of a collaboration between you and Ian?
4: Yeah, that was me and Ian. So, I, so my part of the book probably was besides like managing it and running the Kickstarter part was I kind of helped Ian put together the artists for it. So some of them were people that I thought would fit the book and some of them, some of the people were people that Ian wanted to have on and I didn't really know too much about but I was really happy with um, everybody's submissions.
0: You know, it's kind of funny just touching on what we were talking about earlier. I almost feel like Going through what you did with the the comments on the book almost became a rallying cry for the book as well. Like it brought yeah, that's together. true.
4: Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, it definitely raised the profile of the book. I mean, when we were, it was why we were running the Kickstarter which helped out a lot, <laughs> a lot. Um, so, um, but we we got a lot of really cool people, you know when we were making the book, like, Brian Holmberg contacted us to, and he wanted put to, to, to work on it, which we were surprised after the comics journal thing. And we ended up going after lunch with him because he happened to be in Philly. Like, he was in Japan for some reason. You know, he was in, in the States this year and he was in Philly, which is where we all lived, you know. Of so we all places to be. Yeah. In Philly. <laughs> so we went out to lunch with him and then, and then he was like, how about I, you know, would you guys run this article I did it back up about the name Garo and then um you know, Derek Badman um, was really interested in it too and, and he wrote his little his, you know, article which is really really good too, especially in light of the whole you know, his 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 article was about how um the, there are gaps in American understanding of manga because there's a you're, um, there's only a limited supply of information that comes over um, which is interesting too so I mean it all kind of came together and despite you know our major uh, you know all our uh, screw up and all our um, you know we just kind of got I feel like it, it just worked out to be a really good project like we ended up getting talked uh, um, Sean Michael Wilson contacted us when we heard about the project and he's the one that offered to have the excerpt of um... cigarette in the back of it which um... so i mean that's where that came from and then recently um... we were contacted by um... one of the Garo editors from uh... like ninety one to ninety seven and um... we sent him a copy of the book as well and he had some good feedback for us it, for it as well so it's been it's been cool
0: I'm uh, I'm always happy to see a nice big Angie Wang story.
4: Oh yeah, I mean, or well, the size of the book too. I was like, I I I wasn't. I don't know if I was fully aware that it was going to be so big when I was thinking about it. And then I was like, wow, this is a really big book. I mean, it's, it's like a big. It's a big. The pages are big. And I was like, oh, the, uh, the retailers aren't aren't going to like this because it's hard to display. And then uh, I went over to my friend's comic shop last week and I was like hey this should be hanging up he's like I should kill you with this book <laughs> <laughs> he's like it's impossible to display <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: but you know Chris Ware just put out a put out a, a
2: speaking, box
4: like a board game <laughs> like so <laughs> I mean I think we can get away with it now dude I, I think, think it, it, the size of the book also makes the book itself a sort of an object you know Mm-hmm.
0: Well, for me, it's nice because for a lot of f- folks, they really use that big page. Like, I like seeing, like, a lot of really open type of storytelling. I don't get so mm. much into, like, when someone fills the page with a million little panels. Right. Uh, that's kind of cheating in a way. Like, I almost feel mm. like you've got this space. You use this space. Like, how can you do these nice dynamics? Right. With, and you can kind of see that with... um. I don't even know Why his name's Escaping me right now Excuse me While I open up The book um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh I'm a horrible Horrible host um, Ryan Cecil Smith
4: Oh right
0: Yeah You know like His story Really like He uses this big page
4: In such I a way I love page. Ryan Cecil Smith's work I, He was actually A really um, Really great guy To work with He did He did these uh, Posters for us You know um, He's in Japan but he was doing it, all the stuff in Japan, he got all the stuff done for us and shipped them to us. He takes every, you know, he he takes comics really seriously. I really, um, you know, respect that about him. And his comics are awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if
4: you've read it or any of the stuff. They're so good. Oh yeah, for sure. He's it all. always like, he's always like striving to improve and, and do better and stuff. And um, he's really awesome.
0: No, uh, I think we all agree that his S.F.S.F. Uh, SF three issue thing is a pretty high watermark for modern small press comics.
4: Yeah. I mean he's doing a retrofit book next year.
0: Oh is he? Nice. Yeah,
4: yeah, Towards yeah. the end of the year probably, but yeah.
0: Anyone else you got coming out from Retrofit? What are some of the books coming up that we can expect?
4: Um so the next one is Nathan Schreiber. That'll be the most the next most recent one and then Sally Madden. And uh, then the final one of the year is Uh, Canadian boy Jason Turner Oh, a good friend of mine Yeah, yeah And then, um, so then next year though, after that I have a bunch of artists lined up I'll probably do less books next year, just a little less and um, books will be a little bit more substantial, so next year we're going to have books from Roman Murdoch Simon Morrison, Brian Cecil Smith Sophia Foster-Dimino um, Andrew White, and then also um, Josh is going to be doing Raw Power number two.
0: Nice. That guy's like, you could tell that the friendship the two of you had has been really beneficial creatively.
4: Yeah, he, Josh is like the funniest dude ever, like, cracking up so hard. Like, he has very, a lot of hilarious, uh, idiotic issues. And, um, He's one of these guys that you look at Josh and you think that he all he does is fucking like listen to punk rock music and like get psyched up all the time, and um but like he loves TV and stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's probably sitting but, at home watching Downton Abbey right now.
4: Yeah, he loves TV, man. I, I love it. I love TV too. So we're we're constantly discussing which TV shows to watch. I. Uh... Um, but anyway.
0: <laughs> Are you watching mm-hmm. Downton Abbey?
4: No, well, you know what? I started watching it, <laughs> and then I never really got into it.
0: Um, thank you for taking the time to join me today, Box. Oh, any anytime. Just a reminder, folks, I've been talking to Box Brown. His latest work is the ongoing retrofit series that he is the publisher of, uh, Secret Prison 7. um the Garo issue as well as the survivalist from Blank Slate Books and what else am I forgetting you have uh, Chubby Chasers and Chubby uh, Chasers
4: is out of print but there's a comic called Fuck Ship I still have a bunch of and um, Kill Man
0: and I was gonna say I was gonna say Kill Man okay. from uh, the the wonderful Cuss Comics people it's uh they do real good stuff real good thank you so much Box Thank you. Yes, it's number
3: one. It's Top of the Pops. Just got to number one. And you know what this means? This means you can earn some real money.